Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. G'day, my name's Emma and I am the founder of Pippin Girl. Do you have a teen girl in your life? Mamas, dads, sisters, aunties, teachers, counsellors, youth workers, we are talking to you. Pippin Girl is a platform and publication passionate about providing fair dinkum, wonderful resources to empower you and that bright young girl in your life as you navigate the beautiful, sometimes hairy, journey to womanhood. We cover anatomy, puberty, health, body image, relationships, but most of all encourage your girl to treasure and take care of that remarkable body of hers. Join us in creating a healthier world for the next generation of girls. Jump on our website, www.pippingirl.com.au to check out our cool, fun and pretty resources or follow us on Instagram to find out more about who we are. Have a good one, lovely, and enjoy the podcast. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me again. Happy Wednesday to you all. I hope you're having the most wonderful day and wonderful week. Here, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. My name is Renee. I'm really glad that you're here. Um... We've actually hit over 62,000 downloads, guys, now. I'm like blown away at how quickly it keeps going up, which is amazing. On average, we've got over 6,000, about 6,200 downloads a month, which is honestly incredible. And a big thank you again to you guys for sharing and rating and reviewing. And if you could keep doing that, that would be amazing um, to keep, you know, getting the um, the message out and the podcast out because I know it's hoping, helping so many people. Uh, and if you're new, Wednesdays is kind of like our Anything Goes Leadership Wednesday and then um, Fridays is all about parenting. So what we're going to look at today, oh my gosh, guys, honestly, I have got so much to get through today. I don't even know if I'm going to get it done in one podcast. We might have to split it over two, but we'll see. But I want to unpack today a little bit more about deconstruction. Um, so I did, I think two, yes, two episodes, maybe three last year on why young people in particular are walking away from the church and losing their religion. But I want to come at it from a completely different angle today. Um, and that is, there's something absolutely rife right throughout, uh, more and more throughout the church which is people deconstructing, but still remaining a Christian. So they're trying to, and I'm going to explain it all to you so it makes sense. Basically, they're trying to repackage Jesus. Um, They're trying to pull everything apart and repackage. So I want to, let let me just set the tone of where we're going. Hopefully we get through it all. Um, So I'll do a bit of an intro and give you some examples so you know what I'm talking about, because I can guarantee that you would have heard this stuff, even if you maybe didn't know the term deconstruction before today. Um, We're going to look at the two different types of deconstruction um, very quickly, and then I want to look at the difference between questioning our faith and deconstructing our faith, because there's a really big difference. Then we're going to look at uh, a definition of what deconstruction is to help you understand what we're talking about. Then we're going to look at six reasons that young people are deconstructing, like why it's so appealing to them. Um, So we'll unpack those, but then we'll look at why though do they want to deconstruct but still hold on to Jesus because that's very interesting. And then we're going to look at what the gospel message actually is and if deconstruction fits in with that, can we deconstruct and still 
be a Christian. And then at the end, we'll look at um, what do we do when we come across people who are, you know, wanting to chat or argue deconstruction. Um, All right. So quick intro. I'm seeing and hearing a lot about deconstruction within the church and within Christianity. So I'm not talking about people that want to, you know, walk away from it altogether, but they want to deconstruct Christianity. And even if you don't think you've heard the word before, I guarantee if you keep listening, you will completely know what I'm talking about. So in a nutshell, I'm talking about um, people, and often this is something that's appealing more to young people, although not exclusively. Um, It's when they want to pull apart different aspects of Christianity or Jesus or the Bible or the church that they don't like. So they want to pull it apart, but they still love Jesus, but they just want to, and let me quote Nathan Finocchio, who I heard talk about this on a podcast this week, and it was amazing. They just want to, you know, they still love Jesus, but they want to give him a new outfit and a new accent. (laughs) I thought that was awesome. They love Jesus, but you know, they just feel like they need to make a few adjustments here or there. So let me give you a few examples of things you might have heard um, that would go fit into this kind of deconstructing basket, for want of a better better word. Um, Hell is a really big one. They would really struggle with the concept of hell. Like, uh, you know, surely God doesn't really mean that he's going to send people to hell because how can a loving God do that? A loving God would not um, do such an unloving thing. Or another example might be that they really struggle with um, the biblical view of um, homosexuality or the fact that there's the Bible talks about only having two genders because surely that's not very tolerant and that's not very loving of me. So they struggle with that. Or they, you might hear them talk about how the Bible is full of contradictions and there's so many errors and it's not the inspired word of God because hello you know, it was written by a bunch of men and then a man decided which of the scripts went together to make the Bible. So it can't be the inspired word of God. Or you might've heard things like, we're not sinners. I had someone a while ago that always used to say this to me. I don't identify as sinning. I'm like, what? (laughs) Um, You know, they really struggle with this thought that we were born sinners because their view is no humans, you know, we're good. People are good and we're not separated from God by sin. Um, Another one that you might hear, and this kind of goes down more of the social justice line, that Jesus wasn't so much a savior or they don't focus on him as a savior, but more as a revolutionary who came to free the oppressed and stand with the marginalized. Or the big one, when it comes to atonement, um, they would say that they're really struggling with how could a loving God send his son to die a brutal death on a cross? Isn't that cosmic child abuse? Now, there are so many more examples that I could give you, but they are just a few. Okay, so let's just make the distinction between the two types of deconstructing. Okay, so there are those who are deconstructing in order to completely leave their faith altogether. Okay, that's what I talked about last year. So they um, perhaps have grown up in church all their life. They're really struggling with it. They no longer have a belief in God. They they are unpacking defragging the hard drive, so to speak, and unwinding their beliefs and um, are coming to the conclusion that, that they don't believe in God, they don't believe in Christianity or the Bible. That's not what we're talking about today, okay? We're talking about a trend, a disturbing trend, really, that uh, is um, going on in the church. 
uh, where Christians, and again, it's often young adults, are deconstructing their beliefs, but still claiming to be Christians. So I really want to unpack that today. Can we do that? Like, is that possible? So they want to hold on to Jesus, hold on to Christianity. Um, but that's what I want to focus on because this is the deconstruction that is infiltrating our churches. So let me just set the tone by saying there is a difference between questioning things and deconstructing. So I don't want you to think that just because you might wrestle with things or, you know, you see different things. I mean, we just had um, Shane Willard come to in our Bible college and talk to all of our students about all the inconsistencies in the Bible. And he explained them and they their minds were just blown away. But you might be reading the Bible and going, this doesn't make sense. And how can there be so much violence in the Old Testament? And I don't understand, um, you know, why would a loving God send people to hell? And, you know, you might have genuine, genuine questions. Um, and that's not what I'm talking about. There's nothing wrong with having genuine questions because when we wrestle with those things, there's two different ways that we can do that. There's the healthy way, which is, you know, adding to your knowledge and it's learning and it's adding to your faith because Jesus tells us in the Bible to be built up in our most holy faith. So that means we can wrestle with tough questions. We can, you know, we can keep learning and gaining new knowledge, but it's adding to our faith. In fact, I would, I would encourage everyone to be doing that. I do it all the time. I'm always researching. I'm always finding new books to read because I have a lot of questions and I think it's really healthy to have questions. I think what's not healthy is if you have questions and you get shut down or if you don't have anyone to wrestle these things through with. But that's not what I'm talking about here. Deconstruction is the opposite of that. It actually, what deconstruction does, it pulls down and pulls apart our faith. And I have not seen anyone deconstruct and come back from it. And everyone that I listen to who are much more learned than me on the topic say the same thing. They've never seen anyone deconstruct and be able to come back from it. So people are now rethinking, you know, everything that they've been taught about Jesus and the Bible. And where we would say that there are core essentials, they would say, no, we're going to question these core essentials because with deconstructing, everything is up for grabs. So, you know, you can believe in the resurrection or not believe in the resurrection. Um, They believe that Christianity is, you know, is progressing and therefore doctrines can, um, can change and there's no core essential in order to call yourself a Christian. So, you know, I've seen things lately like, you know, you can deconstruct and still love Jesus, or you can deconstruct and still love the church, or you can deconstruct and still be a Christian. But I want to unpack that and go, well, can you? Is that is that true? So let's look at a definition of deconstruction, because again, this will help you understand the difference between questioning your faith and deconstructing your faith. So deconstruction is the idea that beliefs can shift over time. And if you look in the dictionary, a couple of different dif- different dictionaries, they say things like, quote, it's pulling something apart in order to reinterpret it. Okay, so it's not it's not pulling apart the scripture in order to better understand it. It's pulling it apart so that you can reinterpret it. 
Or another definition is to take apart or examine something in order to reveal the basis, often with the intention of exposing biases, flaws, or inconsistencies. Now, to be honest, every single person that I've heard, read, and seen who is deconstructing but still wants to be a Christian, this is exactly what they do. They're not pulling things apart in order to better understand and add to their knowledge and faith. They're pulling things apart because they want to purposely expose what they consider to be inconsistencies or flaws or biases in the Bible or in Jesus or in Christianity. Now, this is the upside is young people are looking for theological depth, and I think that's incredible. But what deconstruction does is it perverts Christianity and it distorts the gospel message. And I want to explain that really fully in a moment. Now, some deconstructionists, by the way, they sound they can sound so biblical. They, you know, perhaps still say that they love Jesus and they would tell you that this is a part of sanctification and it's healthy. And, you know, that Job in the Bible, for example, deconstructed his faith and it can sound really awesome and like something that maybe we should all do, but it is misunderstood to be education. So don't, you know, people that are deconstructing seem to almost, they're almost a little bit superior in a way, like they're more learned. They're, um, you know, they're being educated, but that's different to reading and learning and thinking about things that you've been taught and, and um, asking questions. You know, deconstruction is questioning the entire meta narrative of the scriptures. It's questioning, is the Bible even true and what parts are true and which parts are not? And again, I heard Nathan Finocchio say this the other day, and I thought it was brilliant. He goes, guys, Eve was the first person to deconstruct. And I thought, oh my gosh, she did too, because she was the first person to ever question God's word. She didn't trust God. She thought that she had the right to question God. And that's what deconstructionists do. They feel like they've got the right to question God. So let's look at six reasons why deconstruction is really appealing to young people. And again, when you hear these, it really helps you to understand why it's really rife in in our church when you consider the way that culture is going today. And the first reason is, in general, there is a rejection of absolute truth. So when I was growing up, I could have my truth and you would have your truth and we would agree to disagree and that was okay. um, And we would respect one another. But now there's this like, there's this rejection, like there is no absolute truth. Like I am not allowed to say that as a Christian, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life that I feel like my religion, Christianity is the way that is a view that is very wholeheartedly rejected now by a generation that there is no absolute truth because that is so superior of you to say that you hold the truth, which is kind of funny because they're allowed to have their truth that there is no truth, but we can't have our truth. Do you get what I'm saying? It's kind of a little bit hypocritical in a way because they're allowed to make bold assertions that there's no absolute truth, but we can't make bold assertions that there is. Number two, there is a crisis of authority in our generation. So, um, what's happening is they, they take what they think is good and true what they think is good and true, not what God says is good and true. They, they take what they think is good and true, and they're now holding God to those standards instead of the other way around. So they don't take their moral compass anymore from the Bible or from God. They're taking it from culture and from society. And so God is no longer the authority. So they think that they can create a better God in their own mind than the one that they see. 
Now, we've got a whole generation rebelling against any kind of authority, parents, teachers, pastors, police, you know, no one's their authority, they are the authority. And then you add to that, that they're taught that, you know, their history is bad, the country is bad, the church is bad, the Bible harms people. And instead, they're taught that love and self are the most important things. And so their views are becoming the authority. And how dare you have another view? How dare the Bible tells me that that's the only way or the only truth? So they can't, they feel that they can't trust traditional forms of authority. They can't trust the church. They can't trust pastors. So, you know, now they feel a pressure to make moral choices on their own because they don't want to be like the church. Okay, the third reason why it's so appealing is um, there's now a push towards the gospel of self. So everyone is setting themselves up as God, very similar to the crisis of authority. So what's happening is we're being taught to listen, listen to your feelings, listen to your lived experience. I hear that word a lot, your lived experience. You know, what is good for you? It's a very me-focused gospel. And of course, that's the opposite to Christianity. Um, you know, they don't want to admit things like we're separated from God by sin. And it's all about just just realize how beautiful and loved you are and just work on yourself and find that, you know, inner sense of divinity. So again, there's this whole, you know, push towards self-love and, and a gospel of me, 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 and the actual gospel is getting lost. Okay, so let me reiterate those first three reasons why deconstructing is appealing. One, rejection of absolute truth. Two, a crisis of authority. Three, there's a gospel of self. Number four, more and more, people want to fit in with culture. And they're allowing culture to define things. And culture now is defining things more and more opposite to the Bible. You know, decades ago, society was getting its moral compass from the Bible, but now it's the opposite. Culture is defining what's acceptable and what's not. Um, And so, for example, take the definition of love. You know, love is acceptance and affirmation and celebration of whatever you want to believe. And they reject God's definition of love because to them, when they see God's definition of love, they don't think it's loving. You know, a loving God shouldn't be saying things like there are only two genders or the definition of marriage is that it's only between a man and a woman. So they're being told that the Bible is wrong about these issues and that these issues um, are not are not loving and they're uncompassionate and they don't want to be uncompassionate, you know? And so, you know, it's not loving in their mind to say that the only way to eternal life is to believe in Jesus and they don't want to subject their minds to what God says. So instead they want to unpack it and deconstruct it. And so they and culture become the definer of words like love. They become the definer of what's acceptable, not the Bible. And that's because they want to fit in with culture. Because look at what happens when you don't fit in with culture. Look at what happens when I talk about, you know, I don't agree with with 78 pronouns. Um, or I put, you know, I put a reel out and I had a, I had a girl come along on social media and swearing her head off and F this and so rude, so rude. Because it's like, whoa, if you don't fit in with culture, then you get bullied. 
Okay, so a fifth reason that it's becoming um, very appealing to young adults or people in general to deconstruct is, and, and I really do understand this, they might have grown up in a very legalistic church environment. And so now they want to just throw the whole lot out. Um, you know, maybe they might have even experienced control or abuse or dysfunctional leadership in the church. And believe me, I mean, I look around sometimes and I see a lot of dysfunctional um, leadership in the church, but that is a reason. They find that to be a reason to deconstruct rather than being able to separate that from the Bible, from Jesus. They they lump it all in the one basket and say, I'm going to pull all that apart because that's harmful to me. And number six um, and this is probably a really strong one as well. They are finding community. They find community in this deconstruction family. So it's such a trend right now that there are so many online groups and accounts and people are posting Instagram and they're tagging each other and they're finding each other and they're feeding each other and talking all sorts of stuff together. And so in a way, they're actually finding fellowship. Okay, so they're the six reasons. Let me quickly say them again so you can, if you're taking notes, you can pop it down. Otherwise, just um, just for your own, you know, to get it into your brain. Um, deconstruction is appealing because, number one, it's a rejection of the absolute truth. Number two, there's a crisis of authority. Number three, they want, uh, there's a gospel of self that's very appealing. Number four, they want to fit in with culture. Number five, they might have grown up in a, in a legalistic environment. And six, they find community. All right, so let's answer this question. Why then don't they just give up altogether on Jesus? Like why, if it's all so harmful and difficult, why do they still want to hold on to Jesus? Because that's what I'm seeing that these people with all of these um, you know, views that are not biblical views, they still want to hold on to Jesus and say they love Jesus. So why might that be? Well, perhaps they don't want to throw him out entirely because instinctively they do believe that God exists. And so they don't want to deny um, you know, the the existence of God and Jesus. And so they want to hang on to him. Now they want to redefine him according to their preferences. They want to, as Nathan Finocchio said, give him a bit of an update and a new accent and put some new clothes on him. Um, but, you know, maybe too, they're scared. Maybe there is... Um, you know, there's that belief in everyone of, well, what happens after I die and what's life all about? And maybe they're, they're too scared to not have a life without any sort of belief at all. Uh, and also, I think um, to a degree, people deconstructing actually do think that their new view is the real gospel. You know, I've had people message me and you know, they talk about, you know, they want to have this conversation. And, um, you know, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but your version of the gospel is like not the right version of the gospel that I'm, I've am i grown up with, but they consider their view, their new view to be the view of the real gospel. So they think they're doing a good thing. Um, you know, they cast Jesus into whatever image they want. And then they're like, well, look, Jesus is making me feel really good about my activism. Um, and they can bribe, you know, whatever progressive ideology they want to believe and 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 pretend that Jesus is patting them on the back for it. Okay, so I think it's super important for us here to define what the gospel message is um, and therefore why deconstruction doesn't fit in with it. Because if we really understand, because I think I've heard so many discussions about deconstruction, but I've only heard one where someone actually said, 
well, what actually is the gospel message? Like, because if we understand the core of the gospel message, then we understand that deconstruction is really a distorted view of that gospel message. Um, It leads to a distorted view of Jesus and the Bible and Christianity. So I recently listened to a random podcast I found with Nathan's brother, actually, Gabriel Finocchio, and I have no idea the guy he was talking to, but he just summed up the gospel so well. I was So I've borrowed this from him because I just thought this was absolutely brilliant. So this person asked him, well, what is the gospel message? Like, if we boil everything down and we take away all of our different views, because, you know, there are so many different denominations and so many different interpretations, but if we could like put everything into a boiling pot and boil it all down and just come out with the raw solid gold of what are we talking about? Like, what is Christianity? What is the gospel message? And um, what Gabriel said was the, what has summed it up the best is actually the apostle, the apostle, the apostle's creed is what sums it up the best. Now, you guys will probably be familiar with the Apostles' Creed because it's actually been um, put into a song that a lot of you would know. But the Apostles' Creed, and I'm going to read um, or summarize it for you in just a moment, that is what has always been taught consistently and constantly, always. Like the Apostles' Creed, that has been the tradition of the church for 2000 years. This is a concise, consistent message that the church has taught from the earliest stages. So, you know, the church right back to the founding fathers was like, here's the truth. Here is the tradition of truth. And if you don't believe this, then you aren't a Christian. So let me read, and I'm quoting, by the way, I'm quoting Gabriel Finocchio there. Um, So let me read to you the Apostles' Creed. It beautifully sums up the very core beliefs, the core beliefs that have never changed since the beginning of time about Christianity and Jesus. Okay, so here it is. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy uh, Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So you might be familiar with that as a song, Um, but basically everything of our beliefs is packed in there. So I'll quickly go over that again. So I believe in God, the father, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy spirit. I believe that Jesus was born of the Virgin, Virgin Mary. Um, he died on the cross. He rose again. Um, I believe in the one true church, the forgiveness of sins. I believe that God will return. So it contains all the basic elements of our faith. It's a collection of ideas that we accept to be true. Okay that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that Jesus is the truth. So this is to us in a nutshell, the gospel, okay? And the gospel is good news, but it's not good news to everybody. And we have a free will to say that we don't agree with that. We have a free will to say we don't agree with the basic 
core beliefs of the gospel, and therefore we don't agree with God and we don't agree with Jesus. But if you do that, if you decide that you can't agree on those basic fundamentals, then you're also rejecting Christianity. You can't change. People cannot change the basic fundamentals of the gospel message and at the same time retain your faith. Now, some people who want to deconstruct will say, well, why is that the truth? You know, why, why do you get to say that that's the truth? And they'll bring up arguments like, well, look at how many denominations there are. And, you know, even amongst the denominations, people can't agree with what is true. But the Apostles' Creed also formed the basis of the Nicene Creed. And actually, the Nicene Creed was um, something that I had to sign and agree with as a teacher at one of my old schools um, that I was teaching at in Adelaide. Now, that was formed in 325 AD by the founding fathers of the church. So when people deny that historical basis of doctrine, well, this is actually the root system of the truth. Okay. And again, like I said, like I, I probably should put a link to the to the podcast that I listened to so that you guys can listen in more depth. But this um these beliefs that we're talking about that, you know, believing in the Trinity and God the Father and the three in one and that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary and he and he died and he rose again and all and that he'll come back to get us one day, all of those things are the historical basis of of our doctrine. And those beliefs in the Apostle Creed, they are the root system, so to speak, of Christianity. Okay, so if you imagine them to be like the root system of Christianity. So now there have been arguments over the years about the fruit that the tree produces, or a deconstructionist might not agree with the fruit. Okay, I get that. Or maybe they don't like the leaves. Okay, that's fine too. But what if what they don't like is the root? those core elements that make up what Christianity is and what our belief system is. If they don't like that root, then they don't like the basis of Christianity. And what they're saying is, they're not saying, oh, I don't agree with some of the fruit, I don't agree with some of the leaves, but I'm happy to agree. Or maybe they are. And in that case, then I would say they're not deconstructing, they're questioning. But what they want, they want another tree altogether. They want to completely reinvent it. And that's what deconstructing is. Remember the definitions? It's reinterpreting. It's finding the flaws of something and the inconsistencies so that you can rebuild it into something new. So if those beliefs that I just shared are our root core system and they're the root of the tree, then they want to reject that. They want a whole other tree. So to reject or change the basics of Christianity is to not be a Christian. So that takes us right back up to where we started. You cannot deconstruct and still love the Jesus of these beliefs of the of the Apostles' Creed because you're rejecting the very essence of who Jesus is when you try to redress him. You can't redress him. You can't have your own interpretation of who Jesus is. So what do we do when we come across people who are deconstructing? And I have asked a few different people about this. Um, you know, what do I do when someone, you know, I can tell that they're, they've just got their, um, you know, really different beliefs and I can see that they're unpacking and reinterpreting things and they're putting their own, uh, you know, their own interpretation and sheen on things. What do you, what do you do? And I remember one person saying to me, if people have already reached their conclusion, 
don't even bother arguing with them. And I don't like arguing with people anyway, but sometimes if I can see that someone is absolutely set and they are a hundred percent unswerving and they've already come to their conclusions, you know, that the Bible is harmful and it's full of error and that hell is not real and that, um, Jesus never sent his son because that's cosmic child abuse. And it was so harmful that I grew up in church all my life and spent all my time in church. And if I can just see that their conclusions are already set, then I just don't even have a discussion about it. I'm just like, that's cool. Like everyone's got the right to believe what they want to believe. Um, but what if say someone is, you know, doubting Jesus because he seems cruel and um, they see Christians as hateful or unaccepting and why would he send people to hell and you know I've you know maybe they are having a discussion with you and they consider that they're embracing a more compassionate Christianity and they can't believe that that your version of Christianity is compassionate and it's not the only way what can we do well the first thing I'd say is are they actually deconstructing, which is what I said a moment ago? Like, are they actually rejecting the basic beliefs or are they merely just wrestling with some questions? Because there's a big difference. And I think when people are merely, uh, you know, wrestling with big questions, they're really open to a discussion. And I think it's really healthy to have it, to have a discussion. So I think ultimately, um, you know, we can question, but are we still submitting to the Jesus of the gospel? And if they still are submitting to the Jesus of the gospel, then go for it, have a discussion. But I would say they're not deconstructing, they're questioning. Uh, But number two, if you're like, no, I'm pretty sure they're deconstructing, um, don't try and oppress them with your views. I I don't. I just don't really go there. Um, They have to know that they're loved by you. Otherwise, all you're going to do is get into an argument and nobody's going to win that argument. And all you're going to do is ruin relationship. So I always try and, and look, and it's hard on a podcast because I'm not having a two-way discussion. And I know that, oh my gosh, sometimes people, um, you know, there's some young girls that listen that will get so ticked and then they tell their friend and their friend tells me, oh my gosh, they don't like you anymore, Renee. And I'm like, well, if I was sitting down having a discussion with them, it would sound very different. This is a podcast. This is my worldview. This is different. But if I was sitting with someone or messaging someone um, I'm not going to try and oppress them with my views. I'll just agree to disagree. I'll share what my views are in a loving way. Um, and I will just agree to disagree, you know, and there's a fine line because the Bible does say that love rejoices in the truth. Um, but that's a fine balance there. So I just think to have always had the base aim to remain loving and to, um, to make sure that that person comes away from a conversation with you, knowing that they're loved The third thing I would do, rather than giving them your views and your ideas and what your thoughts are, this is a really good thing to do. I do this a lot. I um, ask questions of them instead. Um, Someone recently I heard say, this is like putting a pebble in their shoe. Ask them a question that really makes them think, that makes them go, oh, okay, I didn't think of this. You could ask something like, you know, well, do you love Jesus? That will help you to establish, you know, what it is that they're, where, where exactly they're at. You know, are you a Jesus follower? And if they say, well, yes, I am, but, you know, perhaps they're trying to, as we said, reinterpret or redress Jesus, then ask them, well, what do you think about what Jesus said about such and such? So, you know, if, for example, you're talking about the atonement, 
then ask them, rather than tell them your views, ask them what they think. Well, what do you think about what Jesus said about why he came and why he died? And you'll often find either they've got no idea because they're not really reading the Bible, but they're just creating their own mystical kind of worldview. Um, otherwise, you'll get to see where their thinking is at. Like, Ask them, do, do you agree with Jesus on, on um for example, on gender, do you agree that the Bible talks about there only being two genders and why not? And do you agree with what the Bible says about marriage? Um, so what are the consequences then of disagreeing with Jesus? Because when it comes to a lot of that stuff, they will disagree. And so I always ask people this, and this is what I always say to you guys here on the podcast. Let's think about that critically, have them think about what they're claiming and think about it critically what are the consequences of disagreeing with the Bible on that? What are the consequences of disagreeing with Jesus on something? For example, you can ask them, well, what's your definition of love? A lot of people might struggle with that because we know that that would be very different. Like if they're using the culture's definition of love, that's going to be different to God's definition of love. But for us, so you know, let them talk about that. And then maybe you could say, well, for me, God is the one who gets to define love. Um, And therefore, love is defined by scripture. So everything he does in scripture defines what love is. So, you know, ask them questions and make them think, well, if God says that there are only two genders, male and female, then I think he says that because he is loving. So we need to then work out why is that loving? Uh, And again, that's what I do a lot of here on the podcast. I do a lot of this with the academy students. So think ahead. Why would God say that? You know, if we see the definition of marriage in scripture is between a man and a woman, why would God say that? Like, could it be that a child needs a mum or a dad? Um, you know, if we see a definition of of gender, why would God define it that way and, and get them to think ahead um, to the consequence of the way that they're thinking? So, because often what happens is they don't want to submit to God's definition of things. They see themselves as the definer of these terms. So, if they see something in the Bible that they don't view as loving or something that a Christian does is not loving, then they just want to throw it all out. So ask them questions, get them thinking, get them talking. All right. So well done. We did it. Gosh, I didn't think I'd get through everything, but we did it. That was really good. And look, I'm sure that there will be people who probably are deconstructing their faith that will completely disagree with, you know, absolutely everything that I said, but that's okay. Because like I always say, um, you know, I'm coming from a completely different worldview. And like I tried to unpack, uh, my, my truth for me, the root of the tree, Christianity, I believe those beliefs um, that I talked about in the Apostles' Creed. And so that's like a um, something that's just unquestionable for me. I believe that so with all of my heart. And so, you know, I know that other people won't agree with that and that's fine too. Um, but I just don't think that people can get to have their cake and eat it too, because that's what they're trying to do. That's what deconstruction is. They're trying to have their cake and eat it too, but you can't. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Guys, I have a few more resources for you too. If you want to go a bit further further than this, um, there are some really good uh, resources out there. There's a book that I've heard about real, that's really good that's called Tactics, which is to do with um, arming and equipping you with ways that you can talk about your faith with people. Uh, there's another book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. Um, another book that I've uh, I've not read but I've heard is good is Cold Case Christianity. 
And if you're looking to follow someone, there's an awesome young woman. Oh, well, she's probably in her early 40s. Her name is Alyssa Childers, and she is an apologist. So think Ravi Zachariah, but she's a woman, she's younger, absolutely incredible. She's also got a podcast, but go along and find her page. Um, Also, uh, you can hear a lot of this kind of thing on another podcast called Relatable by Ali Beth Stuckey. Um, Very, very conservative Christian, Um, has some different views to what I do, but I don't, I don't mind that. Again, I would say that her and I would absolutely agree on those core Christian biblical values. We would hundred percent agree. Sometimes the leaves might look a bit different. The fruit might look a bit different, but the core values and the root is the same. So there you go. I hope that's helped you today uh, to unpack deconstructing a little bit more and maybe giving you a few ideas on how you can deal with it if you come across it and to have your eyes wide open because I'm sure now you'll be like, oh my gosh, yes, a lot of the things I'm seeing on social media um, who of people who are supposedly Christians are actually people who are deconstructing. So anyway... Have a wonderful week. Go and uh, I feel like you need a brain break after that. Go have a coffee or something. I think I will. I'll see you next week. Bye.